0: You are listening to Intentional Performers with Brian Levinson, where we talk with experts of craft about their journey and what they have intentionally done to be their best self. As we talk with them, the hope is that we uncover intentional gems that you can use in your life. Now, let's kick it over to Brian to introduce this week's guest.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Intentional Performers Podcast. I'm Brian Levinson. Welcome, glad to have you here, and we're excited for today's show and today's guest. Before we get to today's guest, I want to tell you about how you might be able to help us out at the podcast. First of all, thanks for being here. Some of you, this might be the first time you have listened to the podcast. We appreciate having you. For those of you that have listened to all of the episodes, uh, we are sure that today's episode will also inspire you and make you think about how you are setting your mind in your performance and also how you're setting your mind in your personal life. So we are excited for today's episode. And if you like what you hear today, please go over to patreon.com slash intentional performers. Once again, that's patreon.com slash intentional performers. And over there, you're gonna be able to subscribe to the show by giving as little as $2 a month and as much as $10 a month to help us out here at the podcast. So we don't have advertising. So we rely on that to generate income for the show. Thanks to those of you that have already gone over there and subscribed and given us a few dollars. And once again, we are grateful for those of you that will continue to support the podcast. So a little bit about me. I work as a mental performance coach, which is actually how I met today's guest. So I work with athletes and teams at the collegiate and professional levels. And I also work as an executive coach with CEOs and people in the C-suite in Corporate. So I love what I do for a living. So I fired up this podcast to learn, to grow, to share how the best performers in the world set their mind for performance and do so intentionally. So we are glad to have you here. And today's guest is Colin Martin. I met Colin when he was playing for DC United, the professional soccer team here in Washington, DC. And Colin was a young guy when I first met him. So he went to Wake Forest University to play soccer for a year and then found himself playing professionally. Uh, After that So at a young age He was playing professional soccer You'll hear from Colin And his story And his journey That he was pretty good at soccer From a young age And it took him All over the country And in some ways Almost took him All over the world And so Colin Has been an elite soccer player For a long time But his transition Into professional soccer Has been challenging And he will talk about Those challenges And those growing pains And what it's like To be right on the bubble Or to be traded And the challenges That come with being In the business of sports part. Also, Colin came out of the closet in June 2018 and is currently the only openly gay professional soccer player. And so we will talk about that decision and what it was like for him before and after opening up about his sexuality and what it was like to introduce that into his family and introduce himself in that way to his teammates and really to the world. So Colin is somebody who's still a young guy, he's 24 years old, and he is still figuring out how to navigate professional soccer and also still learning about himself. And he is on, uh, hopefully, the beginning parts of his journey. And I love having different people on this podcast. We have some people that are at toward the end of their journey and some that are at their beginning and some that are in the middle. And I think that diversity is really helpful for all of us to remember as we are on our path as well. So I know you're going to love this conversation with Colin. So without further ado, I'm so excited to present to you, Colin Martin. Colin. Good to see you. Welcome back home. Yeah, thanks. Uh, for those that don't know, Colin is from this area. We were both talking about if I walk to my office because he knows exactly where my house is. He went to high school right across the street.
0: Yeah, not too far. But that's the Chevy Chase High School.
1: Shout out to the Barons. Yep. And I went to Churchill High School, which is not too far away. And my parents actually both went to BCC, but that's the Chevy Chase High School. So that place has a place in my heart.
0: Yeah it's uh we're slight rivals not not too big of a rivals more more so Whitman BCC but something like that.
1: We'll see what happens over the years. It's it's interesting because you're right when when I was younger I'm not even sure we played BCC. I think they might have been a like a 3A and then maybe they changed into a 4A.
0: Yeah well they just built that whole renovation so I think they're they're up, in their, they're up in their game now. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, we're all going to send our kids, So my kids will probably go to school there in a long time from now. But uh, I wanted to just welcome you back. Uh, you spent some time in Minnesota, but um, what I'd love to do with you is get a sense of what childhood was like for you because even though we grew up in kind of the same area, I want to get a sense of what life was like for you before college and, and certainly before you started playing pro ball.
0: Yeah, so I, I'm one of five. Um, I have two older sisters and older brother and so my parents had the first three and they took a big break about ten years and they had me and my little brother so we almost have like two separate families um, but uh, I was lucky that I had older siblings to kind of beat me up and, and get me on the right path and, and play in playing sports and um, I had a lot of people to look up to so I was lucky in that regard um, but, uh, but yeah I guess especially my, my older brother really kind of got me in sports uh, and I, I was playing at like age three. How and much older is your older brother? He is 34 now. Okay. So he's about 12 years older than me.
1: And so was he coming back and hanging out or what What are your memories? Like you said, when you were three started, so he's, you know, how old is he when he's helping to get you started?
0: Well, so let's see when he was like 16, 17, I must've been like, I don't know what, like f- five or six and i I mean i I have vivid memories of being like on the track during the bcc soccer games and kind of just being around the guys and 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 looking up and just being like oh wow like i don't think i'll ever ever be doing that but no i mean i was in awe of those guys and and kind of um then when he went on to gw he wasn't too far down the street so i was uh, again watching those a10 soccer games being like wow these guys are huge scary big men like i don't think i can (laughs) i don't think i'll ever be be there but um but no, I mean, he used to make me cry. He used to beat me up. He used to, he he definitely helped me get me on my way. So.
1: And why soccer? What, what started him on his path? And then obviously he impacted you, but what started him playing soccer?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. My, my sisters both played as well. Um, and so my dad was actually the youth coach of my, my one sister. And so at least my parents kind of liked the game as well, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean he 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 played I, I think from a young age. I mean we we all played different sports. My my sister's played field hockey. Um he played basketball and football. I played basketball growing up, but um soccer was the the consistent one. Um and I I think it was the e- an easy sport like basketball to play in groups and kind of pick up and just in the yard and stuff. So um but I, I don't know the exact reason why he started.
1: And your older brother did he have dreams of playing professionally? I mean he plays in the A10 it's high level soccer as well uh, what was what was his path
0: yeah no he he was good i think he i was really fortunate to kind of feed off of his mistakes honestly um so i think he struggled to get proper coaching um when he was uh at the youth level and so I really lucked out by getting like really good coaches from, from the start and that, that really like just worked on my development and worked on the fundamental skills that I, I think a lot of the kids in the, in the country are lacking these days um, from the start at least. And, um, but yeah, but so, so I, I think I got lucky in that regard, <laughs> but, um, but no, he, he definitely probably wanted to go pro, but for me, I, I think he, he maybe thought at the end he potentially could go. For me, I, I wanted to be a pro when I was like four or five. You knew? Oh, yeah, I knew. I, I wrote in my journals in elementary school I wanted to be a professional soccer player.
1: And what would mom and dad say when you would write that and say that you wanted to be a pro soccer player?
0: Well, actually, so when I was five, um, I tried out for my first, like, travel team. Five? Like five or six, yeah, yeah. Like, f- like, five, like literally five years old, and I was trying out for the U8s, and... Um, the coach was like, you know, your your son's great, but like he's playing like three or four years up. Like I, like we we could have him on the team, but like, you know, I I think we should start a new team for, for your son. And, and, and I know a couple other kids his age that, that are coming up, We'll, we'll start a new Bethesda soccer club team for him and obviously for these other kids. But, um, so we, we all started a, a team based on the younger brothers from that older team. And I mean, we were, we were pretty good from a, from a young age. And, and obviously we were lucky with a good coach, but, but around like eight, that coach told my parents that he thought I was going to be a professional. And what was and, their response to that? I mean, they had no idea. They were like, this guy's crazy or they, they, they just had, they, they brushed it off. They didn't, they didn't think any, anything of it really. But And,
1: and what did mom and dad do?
0: Obviously I didn't hear that. Um, my dad's a cardiologist in, in DC. He works for a children's hospital. And then my mom's like a pastoral counselor, like okay. a therapist.
1: Okay and so dad well educated you don't get to be a cardiologist without education in this country what were they thinking as far as your path when did they start to think like oh maybe he could play pro soccer
0: yeah i'd say i mean so when i was in sixth grade they i went to this camp in ohio and the camp ended up being like a a feeder system for um, this Brad Frito Soccer Academy, which is like the first ever boarding school um, for soccer in, in America, other than Bradington, of course. Um, and, um, and I got asked to go, and I was like 12 years old. And so they had to make a big decision to either send me away or, or obviously not let me go, because all the other kids were actually like 14, 15, 16 in high school, and um, and I would have, I would just be starting in seventh grade, and so they sent me, they sent me away. Um, so I think that was the, probably one of the big first steps for like, you know, he's clearly a little, a little different than some of the other kids. But, um,
1: was that a conversation you had with your parents at 12 or was that a decision that they made for you?
0: No, they let me make the decision. They, in all the big decisions we've ever made, they've, they've wrote, um, it's been pretty simple that we wrote it down, the pros and cons, and we tried to outweigh the pros and cons. And, um, from there they've met, let me make the decision.
1: Is that more mom or dad, or are they a team when it comes to that team sort of stuff?
0: Team, yeah. team, yeah, for and,
1: sure. and do you think about things that way? Are you kind of, when you are making big decisions, thinking about them from a pro and con standpoint, or do you take it into a different space?
0: Uh, you know, these days I don't, I'm not writing down pros and cons for, for big decisions. I mean, you, you only make so many big decisions in your life, right? But, um... So I mean if I if I had to come down that path, maybe I would I would um I would do that. I think the cool thing about being a kid and growing up is you do have those decisions kind of for yourself. Obviously a lot of the things in life you don't get to choose. But um being an athlete and and having privilege in that regard where you can make choices for yourself, I think that um that you do have these choices you can make at a young age. And now being a professional, I think that you kind of realize how many choices you don't have to make necessarily in your career. But
1: Yeah, as far as control and the decisions as far as what team you play for yeah. and how you play. Yeah. But there's something interesting that your parents gave you, which is they empowered you. There are probably other parents that would have said, here's this opportunity to go to sporting school. You're a very good soccer player. You're going. Yep. But it sounds like they said to you, what do you want to do? And they gave you choice.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they knew it was going to be a big decision to leave, to leave the family and leave at such a young age and um, and for sure. And so later on when I came back, that 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 ended up folding because of the recession after a year and a half. The, I mean, Brad uh, Friedel is now a coach for New England. He was fronting all this money. He ended up losing millions of dollars. But uh, anyway, so we left. We came back. Um, I came back home when I was in late eighth grade, early ninth grade, but, um, three years later I had to make another big decision and that was to either go to, I graduated high school in three years at BCC and I could either start a year early at Wake Forest or go to Germany where I had, um, an offer at Hoffenheim to, to go. And the, the, offer was, okay, we won't pay you this year. We'll see how you do. And then after a year, you can either go back to college or you will sign you to a professional contract in Germany. And so that was another decision that my parents let me make. And
1: Walk me through your process for that decision.
0: Um, well, a lot of it had to, to go back to the education part. And I wanted to go to college. And so if it was only going to be for a year and then I was going to end up finishing it another way, that, that was how it was going to be. But I knew I was going to be a pro somewhere down the line, but I, I wanted to experience college for a year. So I ended up making, making the decision to go to Wake for a year. So.
1: so we'll get into Wake Forest, but I want to go back a little bit. So you go to this boarding school. What was that like for you? What did you learn about yourself, and what was that experience like at a young age?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a big, big, big learning learning curve for me. I mean, I was in a different state. I, I, I was starting to learn that what we do in Maryland, what we do in my family is not like other families. It's not like... Uh, it, this area is not like other areas, so it was a big learning curve for me and understanding that uh yeah, I mean, I just had to grow up right but um but i but I also was the there was about thirty of us, and I was the second youngest kid, so it was it was hard, you know it was it was um I mean just getting beat up on the field by 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 bigger kids it helped me because i I learned how to use my body more being a, being a smaller kid, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of learning curves.
1: Were you with a family or how did they set that up?
0: So yeah, they put us in a dorm. They had, um, we had host families that were, um, around the area that we could call upon to take us to groceries, take us to, um, the mall. But we, I mean, we had a full-time chef in house. We had, uh, one family, one host mom and dad that lived with us. um, and then, um, and then there were people that were working during the daytime, but at, at night it was really just all the kids and, and this is one host family. So
1: lots of pizza parties, yeah. I'm sure
0: pizza parties. Uh, yeah, it was like a sleepover every night, really.
1: And going back on that, obviously it didn't work financially, but is that a model that you think would help soccer in the United States or would you think of something differently?
0: Well, considering it only happened for a year and a half, it produced some really amazing players. Um, uh, my roommate, my first year, well, another part of the learning experience is my, my roommate was, was from Mexico. He didn't speak a lick of English. Wow. And so I had one year of Spanish in school. And so I, I got to really learn a lot of Spanish and then he, um, obviously learned English pretty fast, but he's now playing in the Bundesliga. He was a best 11 in the Bundesliga last year. His name's Carlos Salcedo. And he's, uh, a regular in the Mexican national team. Um, my other roommate the next year just debuted for the U.S. men's national team this past, uh, this past week, Roman Gall. Um, uh, another one of my friends from there has, has been the captain of the U.S. men's national team this past year, Will Trap, So there, a, a lot of us has done pretty well, and we were only there for a year and a half. So do you I think,
1: think that that year and a half shaped it, or do you think that, that I, they brought in people that were interested in taking soccer to a next level? What do, you, what do you think?
0: I think if we would have been there longer, we would have been even better. Wow, And I think that that year and a half, even though it was a year and a half, it, it really helped my growth as a player and these other pe- players' growth. But then you you see either the ones that left, they either went into environments that were still healthy and having, helping them grow regardless, and, and they still were obviously good players. But then you see guys that went back to environments that weren't as good and maybe they didn't get as lucky and, 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 and didn't progress. So
1: how do you think about environment? How important do you think environment is to someone's success?
0: It's huge. I think you have to start with, uh, with, with yourself personally, but, but your, your environment, I think is half the battle. And so, um, and you make these these personal decisions to put yourself in environments that work for you and environments that you think are going to challenge you and, and help you grow. But there's, um, sometimes you're put in environments where you don't have that decision. And so that either can change you in a in, in, in a good way or, or, or it can limit you. But, um, but I, I mean, I, th- I think it's huge. So.
1: And you talked about your family environment a little bit, you know, older siblings, maybe roughing you up, maturing you at a young age. Uh, what values did your parents or even your older siblings? Cause it sounds like in some ways they might've been, more like aunts and uncles yeah. uh for you but what values did you learn from them
0: I don't know it's a tough question but um i'd say going back to my parents i think one of the things i really appreciate about them is that they did allow me to make decisions for myself and i think they um they really let me they gave me the space to fail they gave me the space to make decisions and um and and i and I really really appreciate that that for them because i i think today we have maybe parents that um are super involved and therefore they um i don't know maybe make decisions for their kids i think one of the nice thing is that my parents realized they weren't experts in that field they 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 never raised a child that was playing uh a sport at, at such a high level so i think they relinquished a lot of control and, 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 and learned from around them, but also just allowed me to grow at a rate, um, by myself. And so,
1: and when you're going through this, you move to another place, you come back. Was there ever a moment where you said, uh, eh, maybe soccer isn't for me?
0: No, no. You loved it. Yeah.
1: What yeah. did you love about it?
0: I I love the ball. I, I love playing with the ball. Um, I love. Whenever I was sad or down, I and and I could just go to practice and forget about something. That always was a nice, a, a nice space for me. Um, I loved competing. I loved trying to be better than the next person. I loved. Um, I loved the fact that after after a game, I, I might have done well, but I, I know I have another game in a week, and so I have a lot more to prove, or I have, uh, another person to impress. I remember I always used to, when I was a kid, um, look into the, look into the stands, especially when I was a little kid. Um, and, uh, like before there was recruits on the field or before, and I used to think, oh, that might be, that might be some coach watching or that might be, I always like to impress. So I, when, whenever I'm on a, on the field trying to impress, it's almost like, I'm I'm acting or I'm putting on a, putting on a show or something. I don't know. I've always, it's always been very theatrical to me or, 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 or like, a, yeah, like a show.
1: What's your mindset when you're performing, and how does it shift from maybe who you are when you're not between the lines?
0: Hmm. I don't know. It's. It, it, I don't think it's an intentional thing for me. Um, so I, I don't think I'm. Uh, I don't think I'm going. <laughs> it, it, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a switch for some people because I don't think I'm much different off the field than 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 how, how I am on it.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Oh. So we were talking before we fired up the mics, and I said, one of the guys I've had on is, is Davey Arnault. And Davey, if you knew Davey off the field, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's this like really friendly, warm guy. Mm-hmm. And I think by the time he retired, he had more penalties called on him than like anybody. Yeah. And he played with this intensity and this fire. And you'd see a very different guy. Um, so I'm curious, you've been in a lot of locker rooms and seen how guys maybe shift. So that's not necessarily something that you intentionally do, but what do you see in others and and how they might shift?
0: Well, that's funny. A a little story when I was making my debut debut was on Montreal and I was a, a little, little 18 year old kid in my first game. And I was, uh, there was a foul and I was standing in front of the ball to not let him kick it. And he pushed me out of the way and, and, and said some <laughs> expletives to me, and it, it, it was pretty funny. I was like, "Oh wow, that's uh, that's Davy." And then, uh, and then obviously, when he got traded the next year, I was like, "Hey, you remember me? I was a, I was that little little kid that you were super, super pissed, uh, pissed at." And he was like, "No, of course I don't remember. That's I'm pissed at everyone when I'm on the field." But um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you obviously you see guys that that um, that are completely different when they're on the field and when they're not. Um, and I think that a lot of that is because when you're on the field it's more than it, it's it's your livelihood it's everything so you can't you can't take a chance to to let your guard down in your field when 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 it's your job when it's your life and so um and when there's a guy trying to beat you um and so you have to have a different mentality than when you're eating lunch with someone or when you're when you're walking down the hallway or when you're just chilling in the in the locker room so
1: you said something earlier about it. It's the theatrics of performing, and that you want to impress. And I almost think of Gladiator from the movie Gladiator, where yeah. he's just saying, "Are you not entertained?" <laughs> and uh, but I also think of musicians, uh, someone like Beyonce, who is soft spoken and almost shy and introverted. Mm-hmm. But you see her get on stage, and she turns into this Queen B. Yeah. And so there, there's an element of her wanting to impress. So can you go a little deeper into what that feels like for you to want to impress when you're on the field?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and and more so, I would say it was when I was younger. And I think it's something that I wish I would, I wish that swagger, I wish that mentality was something I still keep keep, keep with me today. Um, but I remember especially when I was younger, and I, and I think it helped me um, when I was younger because it, 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 not only was it you always have something to prove, but it was... It was that you wanted to do something special to, to, show, to, to show someone that you're, you're the best on the field. Um, and so I, I feel like maybe it happens in practice, maybe here or there at a game when I have someone I know that, that that's watching, but it, it, it should be an everyday thing for me. So
1: Yeah, there's an element of arrogance that great performers have, which mm-hmm. is they believe that they're important, and they believe that they have something to show. Yeah. And I use that word arrogance completely intentionally. And when I tell athletes that, they nod their head, like you're nodding your head. Yeah. What's interesting is when I tell non-performers about arrogance, they cringe. Mm-hmm. And I think there's almost a fear of being arrogant in the real world, but when you're between the lines or when you're in the arena or you're on stage, there is a realization that you need that to bring out your full best self. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, I, and I'd say those special guys that are, that are carrying that swagger and that arrogance, it feeds off on your teammates too. Mm. So when you see a guy that you're lining up with that's bringing that, that juice, that swagger, you're going to want to bring it too. And you're going to feel confident in yourself too. So I think that's a and that's when a lot of these guys that say, you know, I think when you think about the Popovich Kyrie Leonard thing, Popovich is saying that, you know, he wasn't really much of a leader. We have guys that are leading our locker room now. And and Leonard's you know what? I actually I, I did think I was a leader. And I was doing it in ways that I was leading by example and I had a and I had a swagger about me and a confidence about me that rubbed off on other guys, and that's how I was a leader. And so I think as much I, I think it's special when you see guys like that because it definitely rubs off on the guys around you and it and it and it makes them tuned in and wanna, and wanna swag out at the same level. So
1: who are the best leaders you've been around and what qualities do they have?
0: It's a tough one. Um I'd say well one of my one of my big mentors when I was in, in DC um was Chris Rolfe. Um and he was a guy that always expected um, excellence, and so he he would never take a day off, and there was always a learning experience. There was never whether it was a loss or a win or whether it was a practice, there was always something to learn. And so maybe when I was messing around or when i was I was taking it easy, he he would come over to me and let me know, and he would never do it in front of everybody and that's why what what I also appreciated he was he was always um one-on-one conversations or or he would pull me aside and he he would never embarrass me in front of other guys and and obviously I was I was one of the younger guys and he was one of the older guys at the time but um but yeah I mean he was all he was always letting me know that y- you can't waste opportunities and you ha- you always have to learn from what you're doing and and don't just go through the motions and and um and especially in practice, yeah.
1: You know, it's interesting, someone like Chris, who you from a young age were told, like, you're really, really good at soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we haven't talked about it, but going to Wake Forest to play soccer is, is a pretty big deal. And, you know, someone like Chris really had to battle his way, battle his way, battle his way, find his way. And I'm always curious about that in all sports. And I think when somebody has to... Um, fight and learn and grow and push and they can't rely on their talent because they've never been told that that talent is good enough mm-hmm. it can create a person that is really interested in maximizing
0: yeah i think he he used to always tell me that, and especially at the pro level but also the high school he, he would be angry before games and he would really hype him, himself up by telling himself that the coach just said that he was the worst player or the coach said he wasn't good enough or the other team's players said that he was he wasn't good and so i think he really did play with the chip on his shoulder and, and he was angry and he and um whereas me i sometimes feel like i do i do well when i'm angry but i i i don't think i um i don't focus on being angry before that that doesn't i don't think that that gets me gets me there but for, for a player like him for sure it's interesting
1: there's just an article written about Michael Thomas the wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints who is top five wide receiver in yeah. the game and by the end of the year he might be the top receiver in the NFL mm-hmm. and he talks about playing with anger and feeling like he plays better when he's in that space when I work with clients who tell me that which I hear quite often uh, I always try to challenge them a little bit because Anger, the The issue with anger is that it narrows our focus and our decision-making goes down. Mm. It can give you a burst of energy that can fight, but there's more to sports than just fighting. And if you're just fighting and you're not making good decisions, uh, you know, I was watching an NFL game this weekend where Leonard Fournette, you know, threw a punch at a guy, Yeah. You know, that's there's anger there and now he's out for the game and then he's suspended. And you see it in the MLS where a guy gets a red card. It's like, okay, well that was also the result of anger. So I think anger and energy are like half brother or half sisters. They can do a lot of the same thing. So what I always try to help performers figure out is what about the anger helps you. And a lot of times it involves intensity and energy. And I think you can have intensity and energy without anger. Mm -hmm. And the other issue with anger is it's very reactive. And so a lot of times you were mentioning the story about Chris Rolfe. He would use what the coach said about him and then use that. And as performers, we're always trying to figure out how to be proactive rather than reactive. And so it's a conversation I've had with coaches because uh, I've had coaches who sometimes say, we play better when we're angry. Like, let's play angry. And that may not resonate with everybody. And then with players, especially athletes, it's figuring out and going a little bit deeper to figure out, well, what does the anger give you? And there, are there other ways that we can manifest that for you so that I can show up so that your decision making doesn't go down and you still play with the intensity and energy that you're looking for?
0: Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen coaches that, uh, that get upset by a guy that's smiling in the locker room before yeah. a game. And so that always that always was interesting to me, because I know some guys just are different, and they prepare differently and and they uh they might be smiling and, and happy before a game and they're and they're very light and, and and maybe that's a way that they they calm their nerves or they, or, or they're just they're confident uh, And so for me, when a coach would tell me like, you know that's not we, we need everyone being serious, we need this, this and that, I, I always didn't agree with that. but
1: What do you want to be? Before the game, if you could take us an hour before, 30 minutes before, what are you trying to do to set your mind uh, so that when the game does start, you're at your best?
0: Yeah, I like to be calm, calm and confident, um, but focused. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think I'm, when I'm not talking to anybody. I'm, I'm very focused on uh, the task at hand, and I'm just running through um, like two or three things I want to focus on in the game. Um, and uh, yeah, in the warm-up, I'm not talking to, talking to much many people I'm, I'm very focused on the game and, um, and, and, and yeah, and like I said, I'm just running through two or three things, not, not, not certain plays or certain, uh, certain passes or shots, just three things. Maybe if it's, um, if it's tracking my tracking runners, um, working to get into the box and, um, on my first pass in the game, the first touch
1: simple clear clean nothing no serious visualization are are you using visualization at all
0: a a little bit yeah yeah obviously i'm visualizing those those three things so that is that that's that's part of the visualization but no i'm gonna score the best goal in the world or i'm gonna dribble this person right away like no it's not that
1: and breathing you said you want to be calm do you use breathing techniques i
0: have recently yep I have recently. Yeah. And it's, and it's helped me with my, uh, with my stomach before games, kind of calming the nerves. Um, but also just, uh, I I think it helps just, yeah, clean out my, clean out my lungs and get some new, new, uh, new oxygen in my lungs and, and, and just, yeah, calm me down and, and have me focus on, on the task at hand.
1: What's really cool about breathing is it does two things. It works, it works the body and it works the mind. And so there's very few activities that we can do that can work the body and the mind. So in the body, they've done amazing research on what a breath can do for our heart rate. And snipers actually will use belly breathing to slow their heart rate down. And they actually can slow their heart rate down so much that they can shoot between heartbeats. And they can feel their heartbeat vibrating off the ground like they're laying down and they can feel it. And they actually did a study, it's online, I can show it to you on YouTube, where they showed a sniper, they simulated it, and they showed that he actually could pull the trigger between heartbeats, and that's how clear he could get. And then, uh, how it works our mind, uh, you know, cortisol is the stress hormone, and the breath, they've done fMRI studies and, and put people in machines and can show how the breath, can lower cortisol. And they've studied how cortisol can impact performance. And so, you know, I always make a distinction between stress and pressure. I think pressure is a good thing. I think you wanna be in pressure, but stress tenses the body. And we always talk about with athletes being mentally tight, but physically loose. Yeah. And so, uh, if you're mentally loose and physically tight, that's gonna be a tough, tough pill to swallow.
0: For sure, for sure.
1: Um, I want to go back to decisions. So one of the things I was curious about was when you come back from that boarding school, you go to a public school. There's plenty of good private schools in the area that have really good soccer. Why go to the public school and you know, why go down that path?
0: Yeah. Well, my siblings went to public school. It was never, it was never private school was never an option really for me. I never thought about it. Um, uh, uh, money, money wasn't necessarily a problem, but, uh, I wouldn't want my parents to have to pay for, 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 for a private school either if they didn't have to. And, and we have great schools here in in Montgomery County and BCC was a great school. So it was, it was really never, never really a question. But, uh,
1: uh what was high school like for you?
0: Uh, high school was good. It was, um, like I said, I was only there for three years, but, um, I had, uh, to this day, my my I'm really in close contact with my best friends from uh, from high school. We're actually all going to Europe in a week, um, nice. to to Italy, um, but uh, but no, I mean, high school was fun. I, I I really I got good grades. I cared about education a lot. Um, and um, it was uh I was always running around. I mean, I was doing the high school uh I was on the high school soccer team. It was when you could still do the high school soccer team and play um with the academy, and so I would have a uh, practice in the morning or practice right after school and then I would go and have another practice so I mean I was pretty tired and then I had to do my school work obviously but um but no I mean it was really fun uh, I feel like I, I I thrived in high school honestly but
1: was school and soccer easy for you at a young age
0: yes yeah
1: what comes hard to you
0: Hmm. I don't know I'll have to get back to you on that one yeah, you can there's, there's, there's obviously a lot of things that come hard to me. Um, try to focus on my strength So, <laughs> yeah. no, but no, I I, mean, I I don't know. We'll come back to that one.
1: As you get older, you'll learn more about what comes hard to you. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh, oh I, I think I don't, I don't do well, or, or at least before I didn't do well when I can't control the situation. So when, um, yeah, when when there's when things aren't, I'm not very flexible. I'm not very flexible
1: routine based
0: yeah yeah
1: perfectionist
0: in some in yeah yeah I have a little bit of o c d yeah a little i d i i'm in high school if i if I wrote notes that weren't right, sometimes i'd throw the th- throw the notes in the in the trash can after rewrite the notes like handwriting is a is something or um yeah, I find myself wasting time on on things that i uh um could be moving on like cleaning wise or reorganizing my reorganizing reorganizing my apartment or something like that. But, um, so yeah, I think I've, I've learned to be more flexible. I have this
1: framework that I'm not sure I ever introduced you to where your mindset for preparation should be different than your mindset for performance. And there's a long list of them. And one of them is perfectionist in preparation, but adaptable in performance. And so when I work with pro athletes in particular, many of them will say, Brian, I'm a perfectionist. Uh, or they'll say what you said, which is some with some things. But most of them, when they are in training, and you were sort of mentioning with Chris Rolfe earlier, that no, you got to get it right. Like, you should stay on that and and get it right. But then when they get into a game, they realize that perfectionism isn't the goal. It's being malleable and adaptable or flexible, to Mm -hmm. use that word. Mm -hmm. And so there's a shift that often has to take place. And it's the same thing, humble in preparation, but arrogant in performance. Uh, Preparing like... Uh, it's work and then playing when you're performing. And so what I found a lot of times people struggle with bringing that work or the perfectionism or the humility into the performance. And that causes them to not play freely. And you smiled earlier when talking about wanting to impress. And you said something about, yeah, I probably could use a little more of that swagger yeah. as a pro.
0: Yeah.
1: Did you have that when you were at Wake Forest?
0: I did. I did. My only complaint with Wake Forest was I was there for so short and and, and, and it was a whole new season and I, and I and I didn't really I didn't prepare myself well um to understand the task at hand. That college season goes so fast. It's a two month season, two and a half, three month season.
1: For those that don't realize, so college soccer is it's sort of controvers- yeah. controversial and there's a lot of debate about what they should do with it. So yeah. what Colin's talking about is they come in in the summer to start training and then the fall season as you're saying is a couple months yep. and it's done yeah and so there's a movement to try to get it to be both fall and spring which some other sports do like golf for example they play in the fall and then they also play in the spring
0: no it should be it's it's it's, it's a shame that it isn't yeah it's it's hurting it's hurting the growth of the of the game for sure for a lot of players that are that are going that path uh, that path and um and it's not realistic, right? You, you you can't play a game. Well, I guess you do professionally play a game, and then the next three days there's another game. But it goes by so fast. It's hard to. You have to be very focused. You have to be really, really in tune with uh with the object objective at hand. And 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 for me, it it was tough because I, I I actually missed the summer training. I came in in August, and then the season was done in November. So for me it was it, it was tough and then but I, but also i think the whole freshman senior thing for for, for me it wasn't as important and, and it wasn't a do or die thing compared to the seniors that it was their last run
1: it's hard for you to manufacture that and create that when you're only there for a couple of months
0: exactly i didn't realize how i didn't and i i didn't know if i was going to be there back, back for another year i ended up only being there for a year but um it wasn't it, I didn't have the urgency I needed to be successful there, but I, I mean, I, I still had a good season, but, um, I wish I would have, I wish we would have done better as a team.
1: And to give people perspective on this, we're both college basketball fans, so we can understand this, but if you listen to any college basketball coach, we're recording this, you know, late November, early December, they're all talking about, we're not trying to peak right now. We're trying to peak in February and in March. Yeah. And so imagine trying to peak right now as a college basketball program, and that's the challenge that college soccer has on its hands. Yeah. so you're you're at wake for a year?
0: Yep, yeah, a year. yeah. Instead of just uh, so I didn't know. I was so I went for the fall season, and then I actually stayed for the spring. and then um that fall that summer, I signed with East United. So I think I, I was seventeen when I went into to um, college and then i was 18 when i signed my first professional contract
1: and what changed for you that summer compared to the summer before that you had this opportunity to go to germany and mm-hmm. you said hey i want to go get an education what changed in that year
0: um part of it was the contract i got a really good contract offer um i th- i think i i think i was ready for a new challenge and then um third i was able to continue part of it was the education part and I was I was able to continue my education at George Washington University so I transferred into George Washington and I was able to I knew based on my contract I had a a three and a half year guaranteed contract so for those next three years I was going to be able to be doing part-time school fall spring and and summer so I was at least going to be able to get to be like a junior by the time I that contract was over and so the education part was important I had an amazing contract and then um, obviously to be a professional, that was my, that was my goal. And so
1: how was that transition? So you're an 18 year old kid living at home and you're going to work every day with grown men and then going, going to school as well.
0: Yeah, no, it was, it was tough. My, my, my four years at DC was, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of growing pains. Um, obviously I, I had a, a couple injuries, but, um, it was, uh, there was a lot of gro- growing up to do, you know, um, for me, I don't think I had my biggest complaint was that I always had a goal to be a professional but once I became a there was no I didn't understand what it took to be a pro so whether I needed to have goals beyond that or whether I needed more guidance or whether I needed to really understand what being a pro was like it's been it's been a six-year process so I don't think you you learn that overnight obviously but um but once I became a pro, I was like, "Oh, well, I guess I did what I wanted to do, like what's what's next I, I didn't have I didn't know. I didn't have any goals. I didn't have any guidance on, you know, Colin, this is what you should be doing. You should be obviously training every day. you should be gaining this this amount of weight. You should be in the gym this amount of days. you should be aspiring to be the rookie of the year. you should be none of that was in my head. so
1: I think this is where. It's really fascinating. I We were talking about this before we started recording, which is I've been fortunate to go to the MLS combine, the NBA combine and interview players. And look, there are sometimes 18 and 19 year old kids who blow me away and are, are ready. Yeah. Um, but the difference between the 18 year old and the 22 year old, forget just the college experience, but just that time to grow into being a human. If you think about it, And for you, you left at 17, but what I find in my private practice is high school kids tend to lack self-awareness. You go to college, it's four years of really figuring out who you are and how you want to show up in the world. Mm -hmm. You get to decide if you go to class or you don't, you get to decide if you go to the party or you don't, You, you start to discover yourself in college in a way that might be different than who you are under the roof of your Family where there are rules and guidelines and structures that you have to follow if you want to stay under that roof, mm-hmm. and so w- college kids are one of my favorite groups to work with because they're finding themselves and they're asking questions and they're learning and they're growing, and so I'm not saying that the uh, answer to for sports in specific is for sports specifically is that kids should have to go for four years or anything like that. But I am saying that that 18 to 22 year old time in your life Mm -hmm. is a really special time to explore.
0: For sure. Yeah. And I mean, for me, I grew a lot more personally than I did professionally at that time. So, um, and I, I think that's, that helped me when I got traded to Minnesota. Personally, I was in a really good spot.
1: What changed for you?
0: Um, when I was in, when i was when i got traded?
1: No, you said i grew a lot personally, not as much professionally in that time span. Where did you grow personally?
0: Um with my sexuality, as i'm sure we'll, we'll we'll touch on uh in a little bit, but um i all of high school i was just uh with hooking up with girls and i was just with girls and obviously in college i didn't was still not interested in guys and understanding that part of my sexuality. Um, and so when I went to DC, I started to kind of explore that and kind of understand that. And for, it took a, it took a couple years to kind of figure out. Um, and, uh, and there was a lot of, a lot of things I was kind of figuring out. Um, I'll tell you a crazy story that would, that would definitely impact my, so, so one of the biggest things I've learned is that your personal life, it, it really isn't separated from your professional life and your professional life can definitely affect your personal life. And so, as much as you wanna maybe separate them, you have to understand that they work together. Um, And so, I have a kind of a crazy story, I'll I'll keep it short, but um, basically, I was trying to meet this guy, um, one of the first people my age, young guys, I was trying to meet. Um, How old are you at this time? I was like 20, 20 years old. and I get to his apartment, you know, I don't, I don't really want to really take it any further. I was I was I was cordial, maybe talked talked for half an hour, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home now. Um, anyways, the kid ended up having my information, and he ended up uh, stalking me for the next three two or three months and blackmailing me, wow. saying he was gonna out me to uh, the local reporter at the Washington Post and tell everyone that I was such a bad person for doing this this and that. Uh, just basically not. Um. Wanting to be his friend or wanting to have any type of relationship with him, and that he was going to out me as a, as a gay man in, in, in sports. And so when I was driving on the way to a game, I would get texts being like, You better respond to me or I'm going to out you tomorrow. And how am I supposed to focus on my game when I feel like my whole personal life is being sabotaged by one person? And obviously, it took me two months to realize that I was not in the wrong at all, and then I needed to take legal action or actions against this guy and 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 I did and 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 it all was it was fine but obviously I was going through things on a personal level that um that were that were hindering me from focusing completely on my professional level.
1: What did that feel like to have that experience be? It sounds like that was one of your first experiences trying to open up this side of yeah. you. What did that feel like to go through that?
0: Well, I lost um I lost a lot of trust in in people my age, unfortunately. Uh, um, I, I guess sexually and just in general, um, uh, opening myself up to, to people. I felt like I couldn't relate to, to people my age as much because of it. Um, and maybe I shied away from uh, from uh, meeting people for a little bit after that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've never been so angry my whole life. I was so angry at someone, like because of the way that I felt like I was being treated. But
1: How did that opening up, Impact you in the future and, and how you interacted, other than like the mechanics of who you were interested in. Like, how did that? I'm trying to get into what it really felt like for you to be in that space where you're, I'm not going to say finally, what's the right word? You're deciding to put yourself into that space and then to have that space be the trust be almost like taken advantage of.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it, it's been, um, it's been a challenge kind of understanding myself as a gay man and, in and, and not only DC, but just in general. Um, so it, it took a, it, it took a lot of, uh, just growing a, as a person. Um, and unfortunately, um, uh, just I was ha- as I was having in my third or no, in my last season, I, I, I just thought I was getting around the corner. I had a really good preseason. Um, you know, I was thinking, you know, you, you're you finally starting to, to set yourself up and you, um, and I had a really bad foot injury. I ended up having to get surgery and I was out for another three or four months. So I knew my time with DC was done. I was, I was really heartbroken. I was, it, it was, it just didn't make sense. You know, I, I felt like I was doing the right things. I felt like I was, I was giving it my all and, and then I get injured for another time. But through the injury, I had a lot more time personally when i wasn't traveling with the team or i wasn't focused every day on on the next game and i uh met my first boyfriend and so from there and i got super lucky and i met him down at wake actually and um from there i felt so um the relationship was so special to me that i wanted to tell my teammates and i wanted to become more open about it and so just as i left for dc i started to tell some of my first teammates for the first time and so um that growth really helped me at DC so that when I went to Minnesota, I was ready to be completely open and honest with my new adventure. So I didn't have to start. At, um, I, I wasn't living a lie. I wasn't, I, I could start completely um, free with all the new people I was going to meet, obviously on my new team and in the organization. So
1: when you're in high school, were you feeling that you were living a lie then or is this? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it, it was really hard for me in high school. Yeah. Um, especially with. Uh, on the DC United Academy, um, just basically, well, that was a little bit, um, uh, considering they weren't with me every day and I could kind of be like, oh no, I'm, I'm seeing girls. I'm seeing, like, you just don't see me every day. I'm seeing girls. I'm doing this, this and that. But that was tough, kind of, um, upholding that, that lie. And then also just with my high school buddies, um, having them constantly asking me who I'm, who I'm seeing, who I'm dating and, and having to just not be completely honest with them. So
1: and what's the response as you open up to your teammates, your high school buddies, your family, yeah. Your, yeah. the people that you really care about?
0: Yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. I, um, I, the the last people I told were my parents. Um, that was really hard for me just be based on, um, uh, they were the most, they're the most important people for me. So it took me a while to get to them. But, um, but no, I told my best friends first, um, from high school and they're all amazing. Um and uh then i told my siblings they were great um and then i yeah i became to tell people um i told a trainer from dc united i told chris i think was my first um teammate i told over over dinner and then um and I, and then at that point i was bringing my boyfriend to to, to games and so it wasn't um it, if i didn't have to say it it became kind of obvious um and then i think it reverberated around the locker room then and then I think right before I left i I told my parents from d c um
1: and then you told the world right and so yeah. what's what's the differences for you between telling the people that are close to you and then opening yourself up uh there aren't that many openly gay athletes professional athletes yeah. so what's that been like for you i don't I don't know the time frame has it been how y- long has it been
0: yeah so um so as I left uh DC, I, I was making a conservative effort to just be, uh, open and, and I was obviously really proud of my boyfriend. So I spent a whole year, um, kind of just telling my teammates, feeling it out, the whole organization knew, my, my coaches knew. Um, and, um, so they picked my, my option. I was, I was there this past season and, and, and everything was going great. I, I, my, 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 my personal life finally felt like it was, it was, um, It was catching up to my, my, um, my professional life and, and, and there was no problems. I felt like there was, there was no distractions. I I felt like I was in a really good place and, um, and yeah, so I came out this past year in July, um, and I wasn't really planning on it or sorry, June, but I wasn't really planning on it until like three weeks before I kind of, kind of started piecing, piecing things together. So
1: what happened three weeks before that allowed you to, or not allowed you that, caused you to say hey let's let's go with this
0: yeah so the, the big one was um what well, was pride month and then so during pride month we were doing playing for pride which is um was a uh an initiative that my uh a former Wake guy started um and he got usl mls guys and nwsl players to basically pledge their support to the lgbtq community and based on goals appearances and starts um, and assist, they would pledge like 15 to $20 a game. And so, and then obviously the fans around the leagues could, um, support the players that they like, and they could also donate money. So they ended up raising over $40,000, um, to athlete ally, which supports the, the, the broader initiative for just inclusion in sport. But, um, so basically just seeing that, Support from from not only teammates, but just allies around the league and guys that were I mean like Sasha question Renting out a whole theater for for people to go see the love Simon movie um, For for kids in his area in Orlando to see the love Simon I mean stuff like that was uh, huge for me to see guys that are big players in this in this league supporting um, kids that would have been like me or just kids in general, so I Had a reporter ask me. Why are you playing for pride? And at first I, I gave her some some bullshit answer I told her, oh, you know, it's just, it's great. It's good, it's good to be uh, supporting this with with my teams, but but then I realized, you know, you have a lot to be proud of, and and it, and you should tell these people why you're really ha- excited to be supporting, playing for pride, and why you're why you're super um, just amazed by the support that you've got around this league. So that was and that was a lot of the stuff that made me feel. Good to then obviously make a, a public statement.
1: Any downside that's come your way?
0: Honestly, no. No, I'm so happy I did it. So happy I did it. Um, no.
1: Do you think soccer... I, I don't want to speak for all of soccer. I'll speak for the MLS. Do you think the MLS is more open than than other leagues?
0: Um, in America?
1: Yeah. Yeah, cuz that's why I didn't want to go. I don't I don't know what's soccer globally, but MLS compared to the other big big sports leagues,
0: it's tough. It's tough to say I, I don't think so. We have a lot of different cultures in MLS, a lot of different people from all over the the world. Yeah. Um and so I think that you see it's it's clearly hard for if we talk about soccer and around the world, I think it's really hard for guys still. Mm. Um so I'd say if anything MLS, yeah, I think it's been it's been a league that's, that's really tried to, um, to focus on inclusion. Um, but, uh, but in America, I think potentially, but it's, I don't think that's a, it's a, it's an argument that's, that's fair. Um, because I don't know what these locker rooms are like. And, and I, I think the biggest thing is you have to give these guys a chance in the locker room to, to, to support a gay athlete or a gay teammate. And, and I'm, and I'm sure there are, um, out there guys that are out there that are, that feel supported and feel, um, good in the locker room, but they're just not ready to come out, I guess.
1: Has there been a note or a message that somebody sent you that really hit home and, and made you feel really happy about the decision you made?
0: For sure. I mean, the, the, the day I came out, I had a, um, a kid message me on Instagram saying, Hey, like literally a couple hours I came out in the, so it was kind of a crazy day. I came out at like nine thirty that morning was doing interviews with nbc and then i had my game at like seven and so it was just like a wild day but um literally that afternoon i had a kid say um hey because of your message I, I felt like i needed to tell my parents I came out to them and we'll be at the game tonight and they supported me um so stuff like that and then um i mean it, the message has been coming for months now but i last week a mother uh, messaged me hey my 10 year old son just came out um uh, obviously we really support him but we, we we started to have the conversations i hope he has good role, role models and i hope he feels loved and 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 what to do if he f- is bullied in class and and he he then mentioned how he he has um you as a role model and how how supportive you've been and and i just want to tell you how thankful i am for 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 what you've done for my son and and for the other kids out in our community so stuff like that it's just been just constant throughout the past couple months and you and you realize that I didn't make this decision for for myself, because I I have been loved and supported by my friends, my family, and um and then my the two teams I've been on in the organization. So, it, it would be it would be a shame if I did not share that with the rest of the world.
1: How does that? Where does that hit you when you're telling that story about that kid being bullied and being an inspiration? Where does it hit you in the body?
0: I don't know. I don't know. It it, it it's special because um. Because I'm sure it's not easy for these kids, you know. But but I do I really do feel that we, our are, our are, are society's shifting, and I think it's only like four or five years behind when I grew up. I think the kids in high school right now and the kids that uh, a good amount of the kids that are in college right now grew up in a different uh, uh, America, in terms of how it's 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 just really not acceptable to be homophobic or or transphobic or 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 not accept. Others based on their sexuality. It's just not accepted anymore. I well, don't think it is.
1: I'm a little older than you, so yeah.
0: I can give you a we, couple of. Even for me, I don't feel like it was.
1: It's different. Uh, I remember using gay slurs left and right yeah. growing up, yeah. and it was accept. It was just like acceptable. I mean, same. Yeah. And then on sports talk radio, people would be using it growing up, and I remember when that stopped. It was probably in 2007. Around oh. then where it's just like no you're not using that word anymore it's just yeah. not acceptable. Yeah. So I remember that. And then I also remember being in college and then post college and just being frustrated and angry about gay marriage and mm-hmm. just saying this is ridiculous. Yeah. And I actually would tell people that that was my number one issue politically. Yeah. Because it just was illogical to me. And I think the moment where you had the rainbow lights over the White House and you had states just starting to say, no, this is, this is a right that yeah. all humans have. Mm-hmm. And I think that shifted it. And I think I talked to my wife about this. My wife works at an elementary school. When I was growing up, I didn't have any friends who had two dads or two moms. Yep. None, I, it, it didn't, it wasn't, I mean it not, didn't exist. I me mean neither, yeah, I me mean neither. Now, in elementary school, my kids is gonna grow up, at least in the Washington D.C. suburbs, mm-hmm. with friends who are gonna have two dads and two moms. Yep. And I think, like any kind of hate, it usually stems from ignorance. Mm-hmm. And once you put humans into that space, and you start seeing people as people, the ignorance just it, it falters. Yeah. But I will say to you, I do think we still have a, a decent ways to go in regard to that. And I think when you and lo-
0: probably even more so in sport.
1: And in sport, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, for- and I worry that it just goes, for lack of a better way, beyond. It goes beyond the closet. <laughs> like yeah. people just. Yeah they keep their hate now, maybe hidden, yeah. um, but they still have it. And maybe it's conversations that you look at what's going on in our society right now, when it comes to racism or uh, homophobia or anti-Semitism or whatever mm-hmm. ism you want to, you want to put on it. I think you're seeing people's true colors come out a little bit more and become more emboldened. And I think there will always be, be that hate. But to your point, I think it becomes less acceptable for the majority. And I think that majority can swallow some of the minority when it comes to ignorance and hate.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I think tracing back on what you said, kind of putting a human face on uh, on what's being gay or what it's like being lesbian, I, th- I think that's been one of the um, more rewarding parts of this whole thing for me. Um, hearing my teammates tell me that I'm the only gay person they've ever met and then being able to have these conversations with them and then, then being able to ask these questions and me, I I give myself some credit being open enough and charismatic enough for them to ask these questions that they feel like they maybe couldn't have asked a different person. So for me to sit there and, and listen to some of the, some really ignorant things, But to to understand that this is important, this dialogue is important, it's super rewarding in the long run, and, and you are a role model for your teammates to understand what it's like to be gay. And obviously, you can't put a gay person in a box, you can't put anyone in a box, but for you to just be an example... For, for them to have a better understanding for people that haven't met a gay person or, or just in general. I know that seems shocking to, to, to hear, but that's, that's the case. Um, so that's been, that's been pretty cool.
1: I'm generally an optimist, and I do believe that some of the tensions that we have as a society right now will end up being good. And they will end up being good because rather than people sugarcoating, maybe we're getting to a place where we can have an honest dialogue about what people really think. Yeah. And the way that you change people's hate or ignorance is by dialogue. Mm -hmm. It has to be with conversation. And I've talked to people who have been white supremacists. I've talked to people who have been homophobic and I've heard them change their narrative and it comes from dialogue and it comes from conversation. And you have a, I don't know if it's platform or power or what the right word is opportunity You have an opportunity to have honest dialogue with people and rather than shoving those thoughts back down their throat and, you know, keeping them inside, they can actually have a conversation with you and Mm -hmm. learn. Yeah. But the only way we change is by a storytelling, really good conversation. And when we do it in an argumentative way, people are very hesitant to change. Mm -hmm. And... So I just think there's awesome opportunity there and I'm excited for you to see where where that journey takes you as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's been it's been good just to have those conversations and honestly and grow with it. So, we'll see.
1: When you think of your identity, how do you see yourself from an identity standpoint?
0: Hmm. I see myself as always growing, like always uh yeah, I don't like staying staying in one place. Um so I always see myself as as learning or 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 I'm a good learner. Um but pro- progressing in 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 different ways. So maybe maybe yeah, like a like in in past, if my professional life hasn't done well, then personally I'm 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 searching. I'm 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 trying to I'm trying to to, to build that up or 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 vice versa, but um but i don't know i don't like to define my to def- define myself either i, I don't uh, i don't feel super comfortable doing that i feel like identity is a hard I, I feel like i like to hear what people have to say about me more than i have to say about myself
1: interesting uh but, identity is how we see ourselves reputation yeah. is how others see us okay um and i actually think character is Somewhere between the two, which is how yeah. you actually show up yeah. and how you interact with the world. Yeah. But I, I left that open-ended because I was just curious.
0: I do. I I feel like I am very, it's funny because I do think I am very self-aware and that's something that I, uh, that I appreciate about myself. Um, I guess I just haven't really thought of the whole Id- identity, uh, question before. Sure. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think it's easier to talk about others than, than yourself sometimes, but for but, sure
1: that's what we're here for the podcast. He's <laughs> talking fine. about you. Yeah. Uh, so I want to close by just, uh, thanking you for coming on, yeah. uh, thanking you for having the courage to show up as yourself. And you said something earlier about integration of professional life and personal life. And there's a movement right now to get people to think of themselves as more integrated rather than balance. Uh, a lot of, for years, people talk about work life balance and there's, uh, a idea that, no, we're integrated and to take care of ourselves personally so we can make ourselves better professionally. And by the way, take care of ourselves professionally so we can be better personally and realizing that those are actually embedded with each other. Uh, so I want to thank you and, and I'm excited that you have better clarity personally. And I know the professional stuff is always cluttered for professional athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really do wish you all of the clarity in the world as you continue to go down your journey of, of playing pro soccer. And, uh, we are talking and you're excited that you're going to be back playing with Minnesota next year. Yep. And so I'm excited to watch your journey and see you as well
0: yeah yeah it'll be my seventh year in the league it's crazy i gotta i gotta start showing something for it so no i'm excited and um and 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 like i said i i i feel like i've been making steps personally so i feel um this this year's is, is gonna be is me one where i really throw it all professionally and, and and really work on this 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 um this dream of mine and 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 to keep it going so
1: well i wanna thank you for having the courage to stand out and and put yourself out in a vulnerable position and uh, i i just i really think that's an incredible thing and then i i really 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 wish you uh to maybe bring out that impress uh mindset that you were talking about earlier uh maybe that you had when you were 17 or 16 years old playing at at BCC as well
0: for sure well if i think about it that i have a little bit more more uh eyes on me now <laughs> And, and people, people recognize me a little bit more. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, it's, uh, it's a privilege and, and, and it's, um, it's something that you got to, uh, to, to show, yeah, on the field, regardless of, of, of who's watching or anything, but you gotta, you gotta be prideful in what you do. So I'm going to do that. Don't you worry about that. So
1: awesome. So Colin, I want to give you a megaphone to promote anything that you think deserves a megaphone and deserves promotion. Uh, let people know where they can find you and then anything that you're passionate about as well.
0: Sure. Um, so my handles on Instagram or Twitter are, are CM7MD, um, for the most part, but, um, but yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm passionate about obviously, um, LGBTQ rights and, and, and just being, just being open and honest. But, um, but like I said, I, I, I feel like, um, the big thing for me is, is having that dialogue with people and, and being open. So just opening up to others and, and, and in terms of, uh, For me, I've been very fortunate of having good allies, and so I think that being an ally is important, and hearing out people that are different from you is important, and that's what being an ally is. And I think as allies, we need to be able to listen to people that are different than us, and be there for them, and give them an opportunity to be themselves and be open and honest with other people. So, um,
1: yeah. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Levinson, Instagram, intentional underscore performers. Colin, good to see you. Colin and I, I don't know, you still go to the same barber shop?
0: Uh, kind of. Well, obviously I'm in Minnesota now, but kind yeah. of. <laughs> <laughs>
1: when he's home, I've I seen him over there. We go to the same barber yeah. and, and she's great. So yeah, shout she out is to, awesome. to my barber shop in Bethesda, Maryland. And Colin, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it and look forward to watching you.
0: Awesome! Thanks for having me, Brian. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Intentional Performers with Brian Levinson. Here is this week's episode gem. I had a reporter ask me, "Why are you playing for pride?" And at first, I, I gave her some some bullshit answer. I told her, "Oh, you know, it's just it's great. It's good, it's good to be uh, supporting this with with my teams." But but then I realized, you know, you have a lot to be proud of and and, it, and you should tell these people why you're really ha- excited to be supporting playing for pride and why you're why you're super um just amazed by the support that you've got around this league so that was and it, that was a lot of the stuff that made me feel good to then obviously make a, a public statement